0: you'll take it
1: guys welcome to minefield my name is joshua michael this is my best friend in the whole world mr colin over there in tulsa i'm in colorado springs yep and i i just gotta say that i have to admit that you see those guys back there i oh, told yeah. them that i could uh i could
2: uh, i don't piss see any on guys you behind that.
1: Piss on your bar and not only <laughs> not only would you be not mad, but she'd be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I forget how the <laughs> joke
2: ends in that whole scene, but I just remember—you yeah. can't get over the scene. <laughs> yeah, think
1: about the glass, think of those the dick, dick, glass, dick, glass. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody where this comes from. Ah, it's from Desperado, baby. It's one of the best mm. movies in the whole world. Uh, I was a little disappointed they didn't bring back the original uh, El Mariachi. Um, yeah, that that movie, man, El Mariachi, and then Desperado. I, I gotta admit, though, the one I liked the most was uh, Once, Upon a time, "Once Upon a Time in Mexico." That was that was awesome.
2: I have to rewatch that because I had a really hard time liking that movie.
1: <laughs> but uh, we wanted to just preface a couple things here because it's a monumental day for us. It's four years ago that Colin and I met Stanley. That's right. That's right. Yep. That was that was a. Uh, that was a crazy day. First off, we woke up late. We were hungover as shit. Were we? um, yo, yeah, because we, we stayed up all night writing on Dan and, and um, oh. Amy's patio. We, we were up all night uh, discussing one of the comics we're writing, and then we we drank too much, woke up too late, and I was too late out of the shower. And then we were hauling ass from Highland Highland Ranch to to like downtown Denver because we're scared we're gonna miss. <laughs> scared we're gonna miss him and we get there and oh, and Dan and Amy were getting in their uh their steampunk cosplay. Yeah they're their steampunk cosplay like uh Dan and Amy we love you guys and uh we, we're we're in line. We paid $120 each to meet Stan. It was 120 or was flat flat out? I don't remember. I don't remember at all. So we're we're both in line. It doesn't matter. We got to it meet Stan it, lee it, it, it didn't matter. I would have paid a thousand and um we're in line and we, we we finally take a peek at our our tickets and we see that uh, the ticket says you can bring up to n- like 9 or 10 people with you to meet Stan and uh we're texting Dan we're texting Dan he's not he's not responding he's not responding there's a, you know it, it, it's the Denver Convention Center man it was you know hard to oh, get a signal
2: sorry everybody real quick he's got a storm there and I've probably yeah. got a storm anytime so carry
0: on yeah,
1: yeah. well uh, Dan was meeting Carrie Elwies Oh,
2: dude, that—that's another good decision right there.
1: Yeah, he mm. was meeting Carrie Louise. I was just gonna he, say
2: because we were talking about the movie Glory a minute ago. He is an
1: awesome performer in that movie. He's an awesome performer in everything. He Saw really it. is. Robin Hood Men in Tights, uh, Princess Bride. I—I I hate that one movie?
2: with Alicia Silverstone. The Crush or something? The Babysitter? Oh, she- what the hell was that movie? If there's an Alicia Silverstone movie that I don't know exists... It's got Kirkwood Smith in it also, as her dad. <laughs> Kirkwood, <Red>. Kirkwood? Kirkwood? <laughs> Kirkwood. Kurt, Kirkwood. What Kurtwood. is that movie? Gosh, dang, that was a huge deal when that movie came out. I was obsessed with that woman, man. Anyway, Carrie Elway's carry on.
1: Dan doesn't get the call, uh, but it, it, it was one of those things, because uh, Carrie Elway's was like, his tent was an actual little, like... like Egyptian bazaar pillows and chairs and he'd bring you in there and, and sit and try to get to actually know all his fans so he took his damn sweet time but unfortunately Dan missed all the calls for him to come meet uh, stand with us and we're nervous as hell man like this is like this is the we pin-
2: were pretty nervous for some silly reason
1: I was yeah and we we popped in there and I started going off like Enzo Moray man <laughs> <laughs> except without the raping no raping no <laughs> raping And we popped in there, I was like, my name's Joshua Michael, this is my best friend in the whole world, Colin, and we are so glad to meet you, and like, okay, you got 10 seconds, (laughs) don't touch it, and uh, just got that, woo, and like, uh, yeah, and we realized we we just got right back in line. And then when we were walking out, he looked at us, and he said, Excelsior. And I was like, how, does, <laughs> how did – he said, good luck in Excelsior. How did he know we were writing comic books?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How
1: did he know? Now, wait minute. It was, Now
2: the first Minefields episode we ever released, that had a picture – that had our picture, right? The picture we took – we got with Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then I say we just repost it. <laughs> Minefielders, yeah. if you've Every ever year. looked at our Facebook pages, you're going to find pictures of us, and you're going to find pictures of us with our favorite people
1: yeah yeah we'll repost it man but yeah it was four years ago today man like uh so uh we really need to uh get back to work <laughs> yeah for real yeah uh but yeah you're tired as hell and i gotta hear this story i i actually put the brakes on it before we started recording because i want to hear it. it says why are you tired as hell tonight or today oh Saturday. i
2: in i i ended up staying up all night we uh Uh, somebody, okay, so, yeah, we talked about this a little bit ago, and I know one of our previous podcasts, I don't, I don't know what we ended up posting out of that, because it went way long, but, um, uh, I explained getting involved with the Black Lives Matter crew, the group, the movement in Tulsa, to a degree, um, and, uh, and getting, getting to some, a couple of very violent protests, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a few three weeks ago on a, on a Sunday and a Monday. And then I've been to, I've been to lots of rallies and protests and peaceful meetups and stuff like that since then. Uh, so I have a friend who I've met through all of this and she has been live streaming it and, um... And then I I ended up trying to help her out, just be a, set, a second pair of eyes. And, uh, you know, we got into some situations pulling people out of harm's way. And it's been a question, how objective as a pseudo member of the press is she? Uh, but I think that firmly got crossed, that, that line got crossed yesterday because... Um, got a call, you know, hey, do you think you wouldn't mind meeting up with us to help move a bunch of paint? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what this is for. I've seen the Facebook group. Uh, Yeah, that's that's fine. So I I thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to start at like 4 in the morning and just drop this. I'm just going to drop this stuff off. I get there, and I was like, and we collect the paint, and there's a documentary crew that's doing a – that I I don't know too much about. I met a couple of guys from this documentary crew who are putting together a story – uh that they've been doing for several years about uh whether or not America is a or whether or not the United States is a nation with actual separation of church and state. But um yeah, absolutely not, god we trust, please. You know, you got to do a lot of stuff to throw off the communists, but the uh the um uh we got together with the uh some folks and Collected this this paint that was donated. There were at least 60 gallons of yellow paint. And then there was other equipment and <clears throat> rollers and uh, spray cans. How many people? Well, it started out with about five. And it became maybe about 60. And uh, we got out to Greenwood and Archer in Tulsa. Greenwood is the district. And Greenwood is the street where the Tulsa race massacre started uh in the 20s and black where it wall carried street. on Yep, the whole black wall street and um there were you know we had we had this idea, the the idea on how big the letters and how distant they needed to be from one another but then we realized it was going to go into an area under an overpass that bisects the area that was put there in an effort to break up the area when they were building the interstate system, this is something that's happened in Los Angeles. It's happened in a lot of American cities to separate parts of town from one to another. In a uh, and I, I know, I mean, it's out there, guys. Look for that. Um, and uh, well,
1: first off, people need to know what the word gentrification means. Um, yeah, if you don't know sure. what that word means, look it up. Um, yeah, you weren't you weren't bullshitting. You are on the. Uh, what you guys painted is on new york times right now
2: yeah we we started out trying to figure out how we were going to present this and then uh there was a crew there were a couple of people going down the road going down the street trying to take measurements and mark it out and then we ended up uh i don't know i ended up sketching out a lot of the like almost every one of those letters and then we'd get in there and mark them out with a Marking spray and everything we didn't have permission that was a thing so president trump's rally is suppo- is taking place in Oklahoma in Tulsa tomorrow the twentieth, and it was right. initially set for today Today is the Juneteenth celebration or festival. I'm not sure how to proceed with how to call that, but um it is the remembrance of Juneteenth and the end of slavery uh and um he changed his mind and said, okay, no, no, yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. And Or somebody said, hey, you should not do this on that date. Uh, and uh, so they moved it to tomorrow. And there is a huge concern about the amount of violence that could take place in Tulsa in the next day. Every, well, people all, are already camping out. Yeah, well, that was a the thing. They were Trump supporters who were camping out to go into the BOK Center where this rally is taking place. Then the city came down with a curfew around that area, so they all had to get up and get lost. Now, I understand that the curfew has been list- lifted, and that's going to ease tensions, I think. And I keep hearing that there have been violence. There's been violence against... I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, the, the, it's, it feels rumored to me, but I haven't seen anything about it uh specifically per, uh in the press what i'm getting what i'm getting at is um there was going to be a giant black lives matter street mural painted going up to the b o k center but those guys were trying to do it in broad daylight and they were trying to do it without any help from the city and uh i'm not saying that what we did was better by any means it's just that there was a difference of opinion on how to proceed with it one of the two organizers one of whom is the young lady i've been working with um and i'm gonna just be careful about names it's not like you can't figure it out going through my online footprint but uh they, Don't appro- about your Facebook, man. <laughs> they approached the city the city wouldn't really put anything in writing and then the idea was okay so we make it uh water soluble, we make it removable, we make it non-toxic, and we uh do it in a careful different way that is not going to ruffle their feathers and it I uh, hopefully it's a lot more appreciated because of where it is rather than as an affront to the administration. And so far in the handful of hours it's been since we completed this thing, I'm going to think it was like Seven in the morning when we were trying to leave. How do you. That. Uh, how do you get, how do you, It's been. Sorry. How do you misdirect traffic? Oh, that was a thing. If this had been a completely city legit item, they would have put barricades up for us. However, back when the marches were going on that I was involved with, this, the, t- TPD, whether the march knew it or not, was protecting them from. People yeah. accidentally or purposefully careening through them with motor vehicles, and TPD was trying to protect the idea of peaceable rallies, despite the fact that it was violence—violent uh, uh, for at least three days. One of which I wasn't there. Um, so what we 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 actually it was just people last night were sensible in knowing what their role needed to be. And we had one guy that took over on controlling an intersection. Uh, and, uh, he would call out down the street, you know, uh, looking every direction that was, that was brilliant. And we appreciate that. Uh, cause safety is a number, my number one priority when it comes to my work and virtually everything else in my life, virtually. Um, and, uh, Anyway, yeah, I, that was that was a big deal. TPD came out with one unit at one point and asked us what was up, and we basically said, "No, this is what we're doing. This is these are the considerations we've taken." And the guy was like, "Okay, no, we only heard that there might be violent uh, protests and uh, graffiti, and this does not qualify as that." And it was like a, it was like we had been handed a mandate to carry on. It was lovely, and we just. Powered through it, and uh, yeah, I gotta say the aerial footage, the, the drone shots look look great. Made made all new friends. It's every time I've been involved in any of this, uh, it's all new friends every time. It's phenomenal.
1: Well, it's just people being people, man. Uh, in the in the best in the best sense. The the one thing that is alarming me about this everything that's going on, COVID, uh, is it doesn't matter what. what everything combined is just showing me how shitty of a race we are in terms of human of being humans where we're panicky we're we we're quick to react we're quick to judge yeah and and people get caught up in in movements which are either good or bad and it it it, it just makes me like i just really wish like I, th- I think the one thing that that is lacking from the human race is a uh, sense of self-preservation and and hmm. love for their actual. Love you mean for as a whole human? As a whole, as a whole. Oh come I on! Mean, I've like, seen we Armageddon. Smoke. We smoke, we drink, we. You know. It's interesting. Yeah. It, That's... It, there's. It, like I remember being outside smoking a cigarette while uh, my big brother was inside dying of cancer. And you know it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, we, we need a sense of self-preservation. We need a sense of brotherhood and sisterhood. And I, I really hope that this is hammering something good because I, I'm just I'm scared this is going to be a situation where things have to get worse before they get better.
2: I mean, I, I'd rather. I I want to speak to that, but I want you to be able to finish
1: your point. No, that's 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 my point, man. I I just don't want I don't want that to happen. I I don't want something really shitty to happen anymore. Anymore, I I like, totally I, understand. I used to want something shitty. I remember when Trump got elected, I was okay. Things have to get worse before they get better. But I now I'm eating my words. Yeah, I, I in no way could have thought of something like this. I just figured he would have just gotten busted, <laughs> you know, for for tax evasion like they caught Capone. Not 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 uh, getting banned off Facebook for using uh, pseudo Nazi. Uh, That's the
2: word, isn't it? Pseudo. Like it's not even like, actually. It,
1: it's it's a triangle, but like even then, like you can still equate that. You can equate like whatever, it, dude. Like, I mean, yeah, they, they every, canceled. It's all they canceled it's, cops. It's all symbols. That they, they canceled cops. They canceled live PD. I remember having a really big argument with my dad about this, and it, I just had to just walk away because. Um, I like that show, Cops. I like Live PD. That's it's, it's a, fun a fun show to watch. There's a lot of good cops on there. Um, however, they also have a camera on them, so they have to be in their best behavior. But there's also instances when they humiliate people. Right. And that is that's, that is what... That's poor programming uh, that, that, right there. Well, it's not just poor programming. I mean, you can't, like, humiliating anyone, dehumanizing them. Like, when... Uh, I remember, like, the, the specific scene, there was this guy who was probably high off his ass on meth, and... And, well, you're glad you're, they're going to they're gonna beat his ass. I'm like, no, like, like, what happened to him? Like, is he a vet? Uh, does he have mental problems? Is he homeless? What happened to this guy? You can't just put him on TV like a clown and humiliate him. Um, that, that, that's not right. And, and that's, that's one of the things that why, why people freak out when they, get, when they get accosted by shitty police officers is because they're dehumanized and, and they're humiliated. And when that happens to you you like unless it's happened to you before or you're used to that sort of thing you don't know how you're gonna react you don't know how you're gonna react I mean you'd like to think that if you were at a, uh, a gas station and some guy pulled a gun and you just happened to have your concealed carry and you, you're able to uh, you know calm the situation that's wrong it's more likely it's gonna be a fucking shootout and it's it, it's but it, even then I have to be careful what words I say like I, I I can guarantee you that some people are going to hear what I just said and think, oh, he hates guns, and he doesn't. He wants to take our guns away. I'm not saying that at all. It's a world of assumptions, man. It, it's, yeah, it, it's assumptions, and I'm just so proud you're out there doing that, man. I, I I wish I could do that here, but like getting exposed to anything right now. I mean, like I'm Dude, around my family. A, uh, like ever,
2: okay, yeah. Let me let me say two things. And so I'm going to start with what you just said, and then I'm going to go back to my perception of a moment ago. Everybody is living in a world of mitigating risk right now. Right. And that is it. Yeah. I, I am dealing with that with my work that I don't even get to go do until someone says the work is happening. And then it's a question of whether or not I'm taking my life into my hands or other people's, especially my family's. My brother... Yeah. My brother's business is in jeopardy because somebody—it's an—I'm not going to i no diss, but it's a non-essential business, and it's because somebody came in and said they tested positive. Bars are so, pretty. Huh? Bars
1: are pretty essential. Bars, bars pretty have essential. their moments, I, but I,
2: yeah, and I mean, it's essential to him, man. It's his business. It's essential it to his coworkers. If it wasn't that, this is a whole other tale. But like, if he—if—if it, if it wasn't essential to him. He would have uh, uh, let... Uh, I'm not even going to grit... You know what, guys? I can't go down that road right now. What I'm... Because it's it's far too... It is a personal it's problem. your point. Yeah. My point it's is that point. it is a world of mitigating risk. You need to ask yourself every time, right now, if you're going someplace or what you're doing, is it worth it to bring it home? And I am... <laughs> I'm going to have Father's Day with my son on Sunday. It'll be the first time he's been over to my house since the beginning of coronavirus uh, in the United States. And um, that's a huge deal to me. And no disparage, but like, what's the first question I get when I started showing up in photos online all morning? Uh, is that you in that picture? Are you wearing a mask? Are you... yeah. Did everybody take their mask off because they were in a group photo and blah blah blah, and I'm like, yes, here are the here are the things that I took into account i'm I'm a single guy living in my own place in a small enough place that I can keep track of whether or not I've got droplets coming in off of my groceries or whatever it takes. You don't have that luxury right now, and I don't know what sometimes whether or not it is a luxury, depending on who you and I are in the moment, so there's that." I mean, I still have my mom to look after. You've got your mom to look after. You look after your dad, despite the fact that, you know, he's a grown-ass man and he can take care of himself. You've got to consider, your, you know, how important. You've got your sister there right now. People, don't beat yourselves up over what your priorities are. If you've got your priorities in order, and I'm not saying you're beating yourself up. I'm just saying that some of us have the opportunity to get out there and mess with this and others... Might want to, but probably shouldn't. And I know people, I've got a friend, a married friend who has kids that is not participating, but desperately wishes she could. There's that kind of stuff. Uh, Shout out to my friend, Michelle. And anyway, so the other point I wanted to make was just a few minutes before we started doing this. I'm not, you know, I got one for fr- uh, another friend who would very much like to know, like, hey, this is what I've been doing. And I sent a, sent one of the drone shots of the work to him. And he was like, What about Trump coming through there? Is there any is there any part of it where he's going to be able to go through there? And I was like, no. If he he's not going to just by generic opportunity get to see this. If he wants to see this, if he wants to commune with the public on this, he will have to get off of his route and come down there, or change his route to go down there. And I think it could go both ways. It could be amazing for him and everyone or it could be terrible because you can't quantify the kind of violence you can't quantify that it's the president it just ratchets up it's the risk how much risk is that the president in that environment especially after the two plus nights of violence i experienced i don't think he should go down there for that because you can't say that everybody's going to be down there to be peaceful Even, even today in the midst of peace, there was still one guy that got animated just about people like posting selfies to Facebook and shit. And I'm like, come on, man, it's all right. But like, and that's me saying that I didn't like it when it was going on during the violence a couple of weeks ago. But what I told my friend was maybe when you have some, this is what I said to him and you can take it for what it's worth. Sometimes the devil might need to come out glowing, to cast shadows that we all have to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, and, we could have uh, had a very
2: different president, and maybe racism would still be in the box. <laughs> Please, we would have had that
1: that bitch that let that shit happen in Benghazi. Exactly. There was no. There was no way. Like things would be. I think things would be way worse. Um. I, I, like one thing you gotta say about Trump uh, is that he's decisive. There is and that. There's and I prefer decisiveness over politician answers. And oh, that's a good question. That's the beauty. But I've
2: never what, heard a pol- politician answer out of that guy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It, like at least, <laughs> at least you're getting like something. Um, but. Yeah. You're getting me all emotional, man. Because Dude, like,
2: let's let's that, virtually well, hug and start talking about
1: comic books. Well, that's that's what I want to talk about. is comic books, but not just just comic books. Like, you don't understand why we do this, minefielders. And if you do, you do. And I'm if you do, I'm, like, thank you. We're not just talking about comic books because we like to see Spider-Man punch someone in the face and flip and flap and, and Deadpool talking to himself. These are stories. And you have to realize that that stories, good stories, multiple stories, huge gamma stories, the more stories, the better, because you're going to find one that's going to tell your tale and inspire you to that, yes. that, that that you're relevant, that your plight is not just yours, um, that you're not alone. and that's the big one is is that you're not alone and like I worry about Peter Parker from issue to issue I I've I've been
2: obsessed with him since I was a kid
1: um,
2: I I I don't know if you noticed, I but that's the about... sound of me nodding
1: <laughs> yeah like uh, the 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 one like it, it drives me crazy the 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 one comic book character that I actually relate to is John Constantine uh-huh. and that that burns me to my core i don't like relating to john constantine but it's there oh is it his um, power
2: set or what is it that you feel like you relate to the best to that
1: he tries to do good and fucks it up
2: every time you don't fuck it up every time you don't even fuck it up part of the time you've always only done good for me, <laughs> and for as much I know you've got, yeah, but... I know you feel don't feel like that, but man, it's just it's what I say, and I I don't care what you've done, I don't care. It's it's not a matter of of what you think is your core, but I'm but... gonna tell you what Aunt May says at the end of Amazing Spider-Man, Joshua Michael. If there's any one thing you are, it's good. Because it's about your actions. And maybe we are all able to mis- make mistakes. We are all able to change how we want, how we're doing things. I it, there's a, there's a, I don't know how anybody would find it, but there's a lot about me that people might not like. And it, you can ask me about it. I will tell you things that some of the folks I've been working with lately would be shocked about. The stuff that I've read, the things that I think, it's just that way, man. Don't just, just. Well, you, we are all who we are. It's well, okay.
1: I, I appreciate you, but like the thing is, is send us your emails. Who do you relate to? That's thank you. Yeah, that's a good who, question. Who, who, who do you hate relating to? I, I, I've never heard anyone ever like say what I just said. Not that I'm trying to give myself props that they don't like relating to someone, but they still kind of like it. Like, I love Johnny, but then I don't. And we get it, like, we've Like we got some good comics to talk about. And the funny thing <laughs> is, is that the the hilarious thing is, is that we're going to end this with the first six issues of The Tick. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go the from tick. really
2: like, I, serious to very funny. So, yeah, so very humorous.
1: And, yeah, guys. Uh, all right. So, uh, the comic site that came out this week that... I'm into, was uh, Daredevil, Die, 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 number 10, Yeah. New Mutants number 10, you've got Cobra Kai number three through four, you've got Daredevil 2, uh, I mean, uh, also, and uh, you also have uh, the Osborne identity, like, what was that, like, eight years ago? No, uh, 10.
2: It's got to have been, let me pull up that's, the copyright. That's got to be, like, 10, that was after Siege. 2010, man. Yeah, 2010. Dang. You know, and, and it still feels so freaking fresh too. Looking at this thing, it still oh, feels gorgeous. right off it, the right off it's the. It's gorgeous.
1: It, it was one of the few stories that I've read where uh, Harry Osborne, not oh, Norman, yeah. Harry, uh, actually pulled off a good story and became was like showing off being a good dad, uh, being a good. Oh, uh, I don't know
2: about that. I didn't see any well,
1: dad or married business at all in this.
2: That I'm thinking about it, you know, they retconned the crap out of everything, so I have no idea if he's married or any of that anymore. So
1: let's let's uh, let's Let's jump into it.
2: Let's dive in. Let's do Daredevil. All right, let me pull this up here. Oh my Mm -hmm. goodness, Daredevil was freaking great. It was so like it had been so long since I since we'd got a new Daredevil book that I initially was like, what in the hell is going on here? It's like pandemonium, and then it took yeah. me a second, and I, it just went, boom, oh, I know right what's going on. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I want to talk about that. Additionally, I want to talk about that, uh, and I know it's old at this point, that Valentine's special from Star Trek. That really? I, was, I do. I All just right. want to mention it. It was a great story, and uh, because there's uh, some stuff going around online about uh, the original series... That uh, I want to incorporate into it. So don't don't let me forget that. I, I won't take right. too long
1: on it. No, that's fine. That's fine. Whatever you're passionate about, man. We're doing Daredevil number twenty, Inferno two of two, Ascension. So you you got to put this in perspective. This is a two of two, uh, even though it's number twenty of a twenty issue story. That hopefully, I, I really hope we get a solid like thirty six issues out of this. I want. I want oh, three graphic yeah, yeah. novels out of this son of a bitch because Chip Zdarsky Chip has been Zdarsky. knocking. He's been knocking the dog shit out of anyone that has ever written Daredevil. I can imagine that every time a new issue of Daredevil has come out in the past two years, that Frank Miller has been like, "God damn it!" <laughs> yeah, like like it reminds me of when uh, Henry Rollins was talking about how every time an Allison Chain's record would come out, he'd be like, "Shit." I'll never be this good. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome! And uh, all right, so we got Chip Zadarsky, writer; uh, Marco Cicchetto, artist; uh, Mattia uh, Icono, colorist; BC's Clayton Pals. That's Icono. Icono. Okay, cool. Yeah. Denny Hales. Kazem, assistant editor; Devin Lewis, editor. Lift your fists and fight! Mm, and mm, this gosh. is. It, it is so relevant oh, to what is happening right now. It is so relevant. So It really is. Right, right now in Hell's Kitchen, the press isn't allowed. The police are not allowed to go there. There are uh, mechanical instrument, instrumentations right now preventing any sort of social media presence – for anyone to post what the hell is happening in Hell's Kitchen right now. Dude, you find yourself... I'm
2: sorry, I gotta in, jump in. You're right, because one of the things about what happens later in the issue... It just occurred to me, why? So, <laughs> and it has to do with all that.
1: We, we find <laughs> ourselves in a huge Shoot. melee. Okay, so yeah. the Kingpin has fucked up completely and pissed off some rich assholes... That kind of have him by the uh, by the boo-boo at the moment. But he said, screw it. Uh, we've got Daredevil, who everyone thinks is dead... Who is actually making himself physically known? He's not in the yep. red. He's he's in the uh, <laughs> the black uh, in, in, street in a Street clothes. He's wearing street clothes. Street and the mask. Typhoid, Typhoid Mary just made her presence uh, known after uh, she found out and she realized that the church was about to be destroyed by the rhino, and. We've that got crossbones. Rad. Yeah, that was
2: awesome. That was so that was great.
1: A, how did I not see that coming? <laughs> and, uh, I seriously and never
2: would have expected that this nun he'd been seeing for issues and issues was Typhoid Mary. I don't know. And, oh man, and, and the, the and whole we, reasoning, we, the whole logic behind her character being put into that position and like mentally blocking. Oh my God, what that was a cool. Yeah. That was. I mean, that's not. That's not. That's not Magneto. That's not (laughs) Zorn Magneto, but it's a great flip out of nowhere. Of course it was her.
1: And then of course. What a twist. What a
0: twist.
1: What a twist. But but your, your suit is at the cleaners. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Old school, old school robot chicken, baby. Uh, All right. So we've got Typhoon Mary. We find out that, uh, uh, that Kingpin was responsible for putting her there. Uh, He's back-to-back with Daredevil. We've got Bullseye popping people off. But the best part about it was the people of Hell's Kitchen yep. having had enough. You want to fight had... one of us, you got to fight all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, man. Like, it wasn't comical, but it was, it's, it's one of those things that makes you laugh because you're like, hell yeah. Like in, uh, in uh, Spidey 2 when uh, one,
2: Spidey Doc one. Ock...
1: Was that was that Spidey one? It
2: was definitely in I one. Was, it probably also happened in Spidey two. I don't recall. But.
1: I'm talking about I'm talking about Spidey two when Doc Ock sets that subway. Uh, oh yeah, no,
2: no, that's the worst scene in, in motion picture history.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't the best part about that was the 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 kids because they they like you're fired. I quit. That's enough. <laughs>
2: we found. This. I've we seen worse mean, movies. Like, I, I, No, Spider-Man 2 is awesome. I just absolutely despise the subway scene. Even though (laughs) I have three, three iterations of that subway Lego set so that I can actually have a (laughs) three-car New York City subway in my Lego city. Nevertheless, I hate that scene. How does Spider-Man stop a train with his freaking feet? Okay, back to Daredevil. Carry on, carry on.
1: All right, so we we see Daredevil... Foggy brings him his batons. Oh, and he yes. Is, Thank he you is, so much. He is focusing on everything he learned. And, and I know that a lot of people were really upset that Elektra eventually betrayed him um, uh, a couple issues beforehand. But he is using his batons, focusing on the entire situation. And Bullseye is popping, pop, pop, pop at him. And he's deflecting bullets left and right. And that ass-kicking Bullseye got. Was legendary. That was so worth it. Because I'm so I hate when Bullseye showed up. Because he he's so annoying. And <laughs> he's so annoying. And we've got Fisk. We've got everyone.
0: Just, the owl.
1: Oh god. It's, Forget it's, it's me him, not. Yeah, his uh his uh his Guido dudes like yos use owls. We we ain't uh <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, clamps. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Give
2: a right. class. We, we it, it, you know, hey, we grew up in this neighborhood. I don't. We did. We come down here and mess some stuff up, but we don't need to blow the place up. I got family here, you know. That was legit.
1: Paisano. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kick ass issue, and it's not even the end of the goddamn story.
0: Let me He's ask not you even this:
1: exhaustive. Did you? Okay, who was your favorite? What would, where, who was your favorite
2: character? This is a loaded, a loaded question. Because it's on, right. way more about me asking... Oh, wait! So I'm going to tell you my thing. No, yeah. who was your favorite person showing up in this? What was your favorite character in this, in this issue? The cop. The cop? Oh, yeah. Detective Cole? Dude, he is... Detective Cole is the shit. I love non-powered <laughs> protagonists or B-plot characters who are completely influential. This guy is as good a character as Ben Erick ever was. He's a good as good a character as uh god, I don't know, like
1: he's doing everything for the right uh, reasons. Exactly. It, but he he went through the shit. We've seen him go through the shit from the from the uh first issues of this terrible run. Uh, when we saw him as a vigilante asshole and we don't like him. Because we thought he was like that art guy. But he's not. He's doing the right things for the right reasons. And he's been burned. Mm -hmm. And because he's been burned, he's no longer scared of getting burned again. Exactly.
2: Okay, so I'm going to jump in here and say that my favorite thing in 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 this issue is Daredevil, I don't even remember from the last issue, from the beginning to the end, go back and look at this and look at the art. The Knife. He has a knife. Oh, yeah. He's, he's using a knife. a knife that he I think he took off of crossbones or, or random merc number nine or something like yeah. that. And he's u- using the hell out of a big old Bowie knife. And then at some point he breaks that knife off in somebody and he uses it to... Choke the rhino. The rhino is coming at him. The rhino is actually the least of his problems. because I had he's... to
1: look at that four or five times. Did, I he know. Stab him in the, did he stab him in the mouth?
2: He just jammed the knife hilt with a broken off blade into the rhino's throat. <laughs> and the rhino oh, yeah. is choking and his, wind, his, his windpipe is closed. And yeah. this goes on long enough for D.D. to take down Bullseye. And the entire time... Deflecting bullets, utilizing his radar sense to perfect acuity, having it that in the in the six hundred and twenty degree world that they are still, like, dude, you see that artwork right there where uh, still we said this months ago. My the favorite scared bullet, the bullet, <laughs> like when when he's deflecting the bullets and when he's perceiving everybody, everybody that he sees in a in a universally. Uh, synchronous world in every direction it's not just imagine when we see we can only see out to our peripherals daredevil is capable at this point with his powers as they are to perceive everything in every single direction and they have brilliantly found a way to depict this in the two-dimensional format so that's my my art Jerk off
1: into this The, but, the, the artwork but the, the, is just gorgeous in this It's yes. dirty, it's grimy, it's it's exactly Oh the my way god, the embers and the
2: air The debris, the dust The broken down, the backgrounds This is a, this is a Fully realized book If you're not reading Daredevil For The purpose, it, go back and check out the art Flip through it at the store And then ask For the last like 15-20 Issues or get Basically the trade, if
1: if, pay for it, it's phenomenal. If if you're not reading Daredevil or The Immortal Hulk, you're fucking up. Like just just you're 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 fucking up. Like you, you are missing out on history that's happening right now. It's one of those things that in ten years everyone's gonna be still scrounging for these issues. And you're just not going to find them because no one's going to part with them. And if they do, it's going to be in a big chunk and oh, you're going to pay $500. I have not
2: got rid of a single issue of Daredevil that I've ever procured.
1: Not one. I can't, I can't think of any bad Daredevil i read. I remember I didn't really particularly enjoy Shadowland. <laughs> but no, it, yeah. Oh, what it didn't was it? Um, suck. It didn't suck, but I mean, like, I, I was all for more hand
2: there was something that happened right when the uh uh bendis Malieve run was coming out and it was like a four or six part and it was like honor thy father i don't recall that i hated because it insinuated that at some point matt murdoch's dad batlin jack murdoch had oh dude that pissed me off hit his son (laughs) and uh that's totally unnecessary that's not that's not the world I've never well, struck Bendis, my child, okay? like
1: Bendis always pulls from things that are happening or... Oh, pe- no, no, no. This wasn't a Bendis book.
2: For. This was somebody else. Oh. This was somebody oh, else's well, take mind. on Daredevil. Yeah, that's the only Daredevil I... And, I mean, I'm... Uh, and you go way, way back to, like, Daredevil issue three or four or something, and it's, like, Daredevil and Spider-Man versus the mastermind of the circus or some crap. The ringmaster. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's some unfortunate 60s nonsense. Mm. It's the not that it's nonsense. Ring. It makes sense for the time. You know, oh, comic books are for kids, so a ringmaster. Okay, yeah. It's like a space phantom. Uh, <laughs> let's progress. That was phenomenal. Let's progress. That yes.
1: Was, uh, I Is Daredevil the, the AJ issue.
2: Styles of the Marvel Universe?
1: <laughs> he sure as hell is. Leader of Bullet Club? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. Not... not... Not, uh, not AJ and WWE. I, I remember like, if, if you need a quick That's a good point. video, uh, watch AJ Styles debut in WWE. Cause everyone was popping like, like oh. the first time they got to finger a chick, man. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was, Woo. it was phenomenal when he showed up, but, but then you realize, well, if you're not, if you weren't following new Japan pro, uh, Kenny Omega became the leader of the Bullet
0: Club.
2: Kenny Omega. Dude, by the Kenny way, Andrew. I'm sorry I did not mention this, but your Kenny Omega AEW shirt that you had on the last time we recorded was boss. That was oh, so awesome. Shirt. Dude, that is it's, awesome. It,
1: it, the the Terminator shirt, man. And while we're on the subject of wrestling right now, uh, I, I broke down crying on Wednesday night um, because – my favorite woman wrestler oh yeah, of all time it. made her debut on All Elite Wrestling. Uh, she's only been on one podcast, hours. and Liv Morgan. She... <laughs> Abaddon, baby. No, I know it's Ab- Abaddon. It's Abaddon. 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 She made her debut. I'm still pissed at my buddy Tom, man, because like I I, I have to watch it late because I work until 7 30. I have to watch the, the replay and he's like so Abaddon's produced. I'm like, God damn it. Oh <laughs> dude. Tom dude, he stole- Tom, he's you gotta control he's, your ass. Okay. Control he stole it. a pop. He stole a pop from me, man. And like that I'll never get it back. Like I, I avoid social media on Wednesday nights. I mean I might post, but I won't look. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't want I don't want to get uh, dynamite ruined for me. But whatever. Uh, I want to move on to the comic book. I thought sucked at first, but completely blew me away. Die, die, die by Robert Kirkman. I, I read the first one; it was lame. I didn't dig it. Bought issue ten, and we're in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> in this particular issue. That let me read the. uh, Robert Kirkman, writer; Scott M. Gimple, co-plot; Chris Burnham, artist; Nathan Fairbairn, Fair, Bairn? colorist; Russ Wooten, letterer; Sean <laughs> Mackiewicz, editor. Okay, so the pandemic is now uh, abortions for everybody. Why? Because men need them now, and oh, <laughs> I couldn't fucking believe. I couldn't believe. Okay, so the the point of the story now is is that men can now get pregnant and they are called dick babies. Uh, can you see that?
2: Yes. Oh my god, what a cover.
1: <laughs> yeah, and... Oh my god. So we, the main protagonist just got back after they thought he was dead. Uh, one of the side characters, he's now able to be out in the open with his girlfriend who they thought was a spy, uh, this Russian chick, and the problem is is that men are having babies from their dicks. <laughs> and it, it was just so funny because you see the, and uh, they had Can like you guys that, hear
2: my expression
1: right now? <laughs> you, you see the senator that, that like a year ago was like so adamant against abortions. is now a, uh, yeah, I was totally against abortions until uh, my dick started feeling funny. <laughs>
0: and and wow. you see cars are. Oh, around
1: the well, dude, at, like, that's topical. You see cars around the corner. I can't remember what comedian said this, but this is a it had to have been a reference to this. Because they have a pop up abortion kiosk outside of bars now. <laughs> if if guys can get pregnant. Uh, I, 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 God, what what comedian did that? It was I I, I think it was a woman comedian, um but this even is then, a
2: very rated R episode.
1: Is it? Yeah. Well anyway. Just by the day, Missy was hilarious. Oh, <laughs> it was it was well written. The comic that like the the comic arc flowed really well. Uh, no complaints whatsoever. But dick babies. So <laughs> dick babies. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> let me
2: let me go back a little bit. I can't find a single brick of WWE Hero Clicks available online. Did those sale. even ever come out? Yeah, they totally did. They. St- Freaking, just boom, sold out. Boom, they're gone. I'm flipping through all kinds of stuff, trying to see if I can come up with any of that. Because I got to say, despite whatever anybody thinks about how blah 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 lame WWE is, dude, hero clicks WWE hero clicks is still just, freaking rad. Just get
1: that agent. Just get that agent, <laughs> guys. If you're a big WWE fan, good. I'm glad as long as you're enjoying we good wrestling, but. If I remember when we, uh, when Colin and I were at WrestleMania uh, during the AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura Dick Punch contest, that's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna go take a piss because <laughs> it was boring. Um, if you if you want true AJ, oh, find it in New Japan Pro. Find it back in TNA. I still oh, think yeah. in New Japan Pro was the best. His his match with Shinsuke Nakamura for the uh, IC belt uh out in the open like it was a beautiful outdoor arena at night that match was poetry cool. <laughs> oh my god oh my god poetry but yeah what do you got next what do you got next
2: uh let me jump into cobra kai real quick here so um issue three and four yeah it is issues three and four and uh I I'll tell you what the first two issues I read of this I don't remember them being in color but uh my issue 3 was completely in color. So this is written this is a an IDW publishing book which I want to go go a little bit back uh yesterday while I was working out I had a I thought it was a featurette like a DVD featurette but no it was a 20th anniversary reminiscence on Ghostbusters 2 and Dan Aykroyd had the nicest stuff to say not only about the guys who did real Ghostbusters and the uh, Activision with their Ghostbusters video game but also yep. comic books specifically the crew making IDW that guy oh, knows all of the uh, all of the uh, reta- vendors, retailers that are that own Ghostbusters licenses, and he should, of course, because he 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 wrote Ghostbusters. He has so much to do with that franchise, and he adores it. And I'm just really pleased to see him say these guys, like, you know, some almost all the time. Every time who has any Ghostbusters stuff, they get it right. That was rad. So this is an IDW book. IDW just doesn't screw up on these things. This is uh, Cobra Kai, The Karate Kid, Saga Continues, Johnny's Story, Part 3, written by Denton J. Tipton, Tipton, uh, art by Kagan McLeod, colorist Luis Antonio Delgado, letters Neil Yuitake, edited by Tom Waltz, and uh, other assists by Megan Brown and Riley Farmer. The beauty of these Cobra Kai books is that not only are they taking place within the world of the famed YouTube seasons one and two, but they are flashbacks where Johnny is explaining things to his students, uh, to incidents taking place in the first karate kid movie. Um, and I think that's, sorry. are,
1: Are they, are they legit in like reminiscence? Uh, or Are they more of a like, oh, I was the good guy and Daniel was the bad guy type thing?
2: This one in particular, that was the case. Uh, sometimes he has looked back on the past and regretted something that he did, and other times he has, uh, in this instance, looked back on, oh, the Lusos are—you got to watch out for those people. They're gonna—they're gonna find a loophole and exploit it, and they're gonna, like, he literally says. He came out of the uh, he came out of the uh, the locker room after that witch doctor did something to him to heal him up enough to fight, and he milked it for all he, all it was worth, and thus got the crowd on his side, which you'll notice if you watch the movie when the crowd is reacting against Johnny for his uh, for his particular exploits. Um, Bad John, I got I, 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 but like. Uh, it's funny because, like, they'll do a page here or there where it is almost a moment by moment, word to word, expression to expression, um, s- repeat of a scene in the movie, but you get way more of the inflections of Johnny or his Cobra Kai buddies or something like that. And, uh, or you'll, it's just d- interesting because the distance. That's created in each panel and the way that the page is framed up, the layouts. This this cover is great. Oh, dude, that's really, yeah. really awesome. That's the cover of issue four. And it's Cobra yeah. Kai guys getting out of a van like they probably all got ready back at the dojo, got in the van, and went out to the All-Valley Karate Tournament. And they're all hopping out of the van like with their war warrior faces on.
1: They got their chucks. They got chucks on.
0: That's
2: cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. for Yeah. Dude, I really like issue three because it shows some of the training, like the rigorous training that Johnny did to get ready for this thing. And he's already an amazing athletic specimen at 17 years old or he's starting starting out his senior year, like before going to the tournament. You know, he trained also. But then it also reflects on a very potent moment in the Karate Kid. I've always felt like the way they depicted it in the movie. Now, not here. But when Allie and uh and Daniel are at uh, golf and stuff, and they're getting ready to leave, and Johnny and Bobby and Dutch roll up with the two girls, um, they what do you got? okay uh, they, uh, um, they roll up in their little red convertible, and Allie had just been talking to the guy in the white corvette or whatever and the uh they're like oh yeah you know blah 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 let's go for a ride and your your little buddy could come along too i almost feel like under any normal circumstances for teenagers even with as much crap as had gone down between johnny and the rest of that gang because they're a gang and daniel that if they had hopped in there That if Daniel would have kept his cool, no matter how much pressure and how much discomfort they created for him, and if Ali, who had a better temperament than all of them, and that's props to the writers for making that character so three-dimensional, if if Daniel had kept cool, then everything might have changed. They might have seen him... uh, This is coming from me, as a guy who did not know how to take a joke or a prank or... Any kind of just BSing around that guys do, especially when you're an adult, uh, it took me until I was in my 30s to start bullshitting with guys uh, and like being picked on and picking on people back and like rolling with it and creating a whole new relationship. If Daniel had been in that situation in that car with Allie, it stands a chance that everything would have been different. And maybe maybe it wouldn't have had to go to the extremes that it went. Uh, maybe everyone's self-confidence would have been different because you got to remember that despite the fact that these kids basically owned that area, they're not the only kids at school. Like, nope. the the Cobra Kai boys are their own little gang. And there's the rest of the school. So, okay, yeah, the soccer team, the football team, the basketball team. And then there's Daniel, who's the new kid. All this stuff. Nobody completely owns a place so hard. I only know one kid that I grew up with who was uh, cap- who was capable of like systemic appreciation and uh, and uh, he had cystic fibrosis and he died in the seventh grade and I mean everybody loved that guy and he seemed to appreciate everybody. That's a boy I grew up with. But like the point I'm making is that. I feel like everything could have changed in this instance. And so when and I'm going to flash this page at you, you know you know the scene in the movie right there golf and stuff. So yeah. um, but it, but the point that this book is making, this issue, issue number 3, Johnny's driving that car and he is he wants Allie back so hard, so much that he can't get over that he she would pay attention to this other guy. This guy who's a friggin' wimp. This guy who is scrawny. This guy who is not what they are. These bleach blonde surf type of guys, etc. And I don't even think it's like... I don't think he ever... I don't think Johnny ever comes down on Daniel's... uh, Like... uh, Economic class. Or anything like that. It's just... It's the girl. I can't believe I don't get the girl. His motivations are so powerful. That's why I really, really want to see Elizabeth Shue come back in season three. But oh, I God, also please. I also really, really want to see the villain from Karate Kid 2, Chosen, come back in season three. And they've been they've been hinting at that for a long time. Anyway, guys, if you're into this stuff at all, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. And I totally adore this scene with uh Johnny's stepdad, Sid. Because he absolutely He was a sack of shit, but at the same time, you actually see him trying to be fatherly to a degree in this one page. And while that's not how it was evidenced in the series, I do appreciate just like what all of these guys at IDW do with their licensed material finding more and giving us more realizations. So I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna cut it off there only to say that uh issue four was also totally badass and it had it was all focused on what was going on at the all valley karate tournament
1: idw we we gotta just focus on that like okay so you're saying the exact same things the meat and potatoes i mean like like there's some comics you can read a marvel comic uh let's say some i don't know like a like a luke cage or or uh or Jessica Jones, where where it can kind of be a throwaway issue, that never happens with IDW. Oh, when Even, you're paying
2: for those licenses, you don't have time to dick around.
1: No, no. Uh, the The Batman, my favorite one, was the Batman Teenage Mutant Turtles uh, crossover that just ended like a couple mm. months ago. When it was an alternate reality where Batman was raised with the turtles as a Wayne. But still under the tutelage <laughs> Still under the tutelage of Master Splinter. What'd you and, call me?
2: Uh... <laughs> Sorry, that was dumb.
1: <laughs> I only got
2: three hours of sleep. Carry on. That's alright. You're out doing something good, man.
1: But uh, uh I, me... I wanted to talk I wanted to talk about the new mutants. Oh, um, go at it. Go at it. Dumb. <laughs> it was it was not that good, man. Like it, it ends with, let's see. I'm what issue is
0: of,
1: it? It's issue number 10. Uh, it ends with Jubilee, Gambit, Rogue, uh, them becoming new iterances in multidimensional capacity. What, well, like Captain Exiles? Britons. Like Captain Britain's. Uh, like, there's a whole multiverse with Captain Britain and the Merlin-type lineage. Okay. Okay. Camelot, you name it, but it just wasn't fun. It was, it was, it was stupid. It, it, it. it I, I felt dumber after reading the issue. I mean, the art was great. I mean, the writing was good, but it, uh, like in terms of like it flowed and they did. They put some work into it, but it was like I, I don't. I don't want to see Jubilee as a fucking Captain Brighton. I don't care about that. Like her, her glasses are all. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: With uh, that poppy uh, bubblegum chewing sunglasses she had in the 90s, the early 90s. 93 ish.
1: Yeah, and it's whatever. There, there's other better X books out there, but uh, let's go into uh, Spider Man. Oh, hell yeah, man. I'm going to say
2: one more thing. I want to go back. If, if you ever look at this type of material we've been talking about today, ap- take a minute and appreciate the editors. Because while. Like, if you're in the comic book industry, if you're writing, and you, are, you have a good story, you got a good idea, you got good dialogue, you got good pacing, what you're doing makes sense. If you've got a good editor, that editor is only going to flesh you out a little bit more. And that's what I see on that, that Cobra Kai, that's what I see out of a lot of books. Your editor is going to come in and say, I need you to hold to a higher standard, or that really hits. Or that yeah, really you need, doesn't. You know, you like, need that sort of thing. Dude, for real. That's like having a director being an actor. When you're writing, you are performing as all of those characters. And hopefully they all have their own specific voice. And to have an editor come in and say, I don't think you're hitting the mark here. They can push that contract back. Not the contract, but they can push the uh, paper back across the desk and say, dude, lady, see what you can do. Crank this a little bit more. Go a little bit harder here. And it's only going to help because it's they're 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 going to make you look good. And I feel like the beauty of this is that uh, is is that the amount of the amount of attention that the editors have put into that book, let alone virtually everything else we're talking about. You don't have time to waste. You 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 you're asking somebody for 3.99. They want yeah. you to get they want they want the readers to get every penny's worth and they want every penny's worth out of it. So there you have it. Anyway,
1: well, um, well, just real quick, um, mm-hmm. it reminds me of how uh, a good producer can kick some ass for a, uh, a record. Like, oh, uh, that's the, different, yeah. The, 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 the first one that came to mind uh, was um, Terry Date, who did uh, most of the best Deftones records ever. Um, the reason that it popped in my head was because uh, the 20th anniversary of the release of The White Pony is about to come out in, uh, in a couple weeks. And... Just my 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 good my good buddy Tony tagged me on this on Instagram uh, earlier today that they're gonna have a Deftones are gonna have a listening party for The White Pony, which is my favorite record of all time. And whoa, like we, now yeah, whoa. <laughs> the, the, the dude, I lost my virginity to The White Pony.
2: Like nine <laughs> things just went through my head, and I was like, yeah. No, the accountability Karens will come after me for about five of those. So carry on. Uh,
1: The the White Pony. I mean, like, I mean, Terry Date just pushed the Deftones to be as creative as they possibly can. They almost actually they broke up like twice during the making of this record. um, When like there was so much good stuff about the White Pony. Like if if you were if you were uh, subscribed to them online and give them your address. A couple months before The White Pony came out, you got a, a postcard in the mail that was also a three-part sticker. And Ooh, when cool. The White Pony came out, it came out in uh, like four different uh, aspects, actually. There was the silver one, there was the red one, and the black one, special editions that had the special edition song only on that record. It's not even like, if you if you, if you find The White Pony on Apple Music, it won't have the, the last track, The Boys Republic. Uh, then there was the silver one that came out in Japan that came with a sticker, uh, then a couple months later, the white version came out with the white cover that had a revamp of Pink Maggot as um, Back to School. Um, And then I got a, I, I got the special edition red vinyl. Um, I I, I don't know. I was guess it so translucent
2: be... or was it just red? Oh, because I, got right I, I gotta say, man, every time I see something like that, it just honestly, it's re- oh okay.
1: I is got it, it right here. It's it's is it signed the actual it.
2: vinyl or is it the it's, uh, the
1: it's, sleeve? It's the actual. It's the, the well the sleeve is, like, vinyl acrylic, yeah, and it's red, and then it... Oh, yeah. Dude, it's, that's it's, beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. When I was working for Ant Magazine back in the day, I got the interview to interview the Deftones, and they signed it for me. Oh. And when I pulled it out, because it's, like, a... It's kind of a, a, a taboo thing to do if you're a reporter to ask for, like, something signed or that sort of thing. Yeah. Maybe a picture, Dude, but, it doesn't uh, stop I... DPs and...
0: Yeah. Producers yeah,
2: but... from busting the... NBA players all the time. Can I get you to sign something? It just, oh man. The only stuff I I ever got signed was stuff that people felt guilty for taking my stuff and getting it signed. And then we were like, you know what, that was the right thing to do. And they give it to me. And I'm like, did you do that on purpose so that I'd have something to be signed? Or (laughs) it was a whole thing. Anyway.
1: No, I'm getting buried with that. It's signed by the Deftones. <laughs> um, yeah. It, 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 if there was a fire in my house, that's the, that's the one thing I'm going to grab because it's irreplaceable. When I pulled it out, Frank, the DJ, uh, was like, where the hell did you get this? They didn't even know this damn thing existed. The red vinyl, uh, which was only sent out as a promo to uh, radio stations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but it's mine, and I'm being buried with it. Man, I love that
2: one song of theirs. Uh, I'm blue, da-ba-dee, da da W-D, oh, okay. I'm gonna
1: be- kill you. Yeah. You can't do it I'm- from there. I'm
0: gonna uh...
1: <laughs> kill you. Right, talk about your stupid ass Spider Man story you read. Oh, you don't like Spider Man though.
2: Uh, no, this uh so yeah, this is um Dude, I feel like I got this on a bargain rack and
0: <laughs> It had to have been.
2: <laughs> Oh dude, I mean when you, that had
1: to have been on a speeding bullet, look, five dollars some bitch.
2: Maybe look at that, because you if you if you're reading that's the UPC a, label on the back, and then you see the price tag that's attached. That's, that's a, a, this speeding, is a sick deal. That's a speeding bullet deal. Is that a there, speeding bullet sticker. Yeah, yeah that's a speeding I, I'm not bullet sure it sticker is, for but, sure. Um, no,
1: that was on the spinner right next to the counter uh, <laughs> with, with the cheap ass, not as good graphic novels. Ne- that next it, there, to the some.
2: magnets and the colas. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so what the frick is this book? Um, this is Amazing Spider-Man presents American Son issues one through four and material from Age of Heroes number two. The this interesting is, thing, which, well, which this, one of the interesting on, things? Hold I on, Chris. This is post. This is post siege. Uh huh. This is immediate post siege. Pretty pretty fricking close, yeah. All right, so go on. Um, the uh, the Osborne identity credits writer brian reed artist philip briones with patrick olif and chad hardwin wayne Fauscher and stephen segoyeva segoyeva yeah i did that right uh colorist jeremy cox with chris sotomayor letter dave lamphere uh let's see uh heroic age written by brian reed penciler chad harden inker victora victor Olizaba, colorist chris sotomayor with jeremy cox what letter, issues of, of Spider? are they? It's not, I, dude. I'm not gonna say that. I mean, it's 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 ASM. It's Amazing Spider-Man, but it is Amazing Spider-Man presents American Son number one through four. So, right, so I'm not gonna say know, this is just straight up ASM. You know, this that is was a, no a no. It's book. straight
1: up ASM. I don't remember. Okay, lovely.
2: And then there's a there's a component in here called Bargain Donuts, written by Joe Caramagna. Who we really? always say VC's Joe Carrick Magna, who is lettering. Uh, so that is phenomenal. Thank you for that, dude. We are always, we're never making fun of him. We're never making fun of that name. We've been talking No, we about, just love We're always guy. saying like, oh my god, the guy's there. Like we were, we used to, we used to always be like, we had to interview with that guy, and it was just like a running joke, like that dumb. Ah, oh, we couldn't interview Matt Damon tonight, but uh. he's the he's the Tom
1: Savini of comics.
2: He's all over the freaking place, man. Yeah. yeah. Like if you you're picking something up, he's probably had something to do with it. Just all of the VCs, all the virtual calligraphy. Um also, okay, so Todd Todd Nanak. No, I'm sorry, Todd Nauk is the artist, colorist Chris Chuckery, and uh letter VC's Joe Sabino. So, um I'm gonna go so far as to say Nickel Nick geez, Nicole Boes or Boos. As the collection editor. What this is... <clears throat> is... A... It is a collected story... Specifically featuring... Harry Osborne Uh... Benerick, and... Oh, uh, what is this new girl's name? What is her... Uh, Nora... Where is her... Uh... Oh, bollocks. I don't have it immediately. Um... One of his
1: girlfriends.
2: No, 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 not a girlfriend. This is a young lady working for Frontline. Benarik is uh, working on the newspaper or magazine Frontline back in 2010. Um, And there were like Siege or Secret Invasion uh, books that were specific towards these media guys trying to keep track of all of the stuff that was going down. Anyway, so she's trying to get a story. And she is constantly trying, she's constantly straddling the line between I'm doing the right thing to get the story or I'm absolutely uh, not doing the right thing to get the story. But um, she's following Harry Osborne, who is the son of Norman Osborne, the Green Goblin,
1: so, who was recently in jail post
2: siege. Right. Uh, I'm not going into outrageous detail, but, of course, you had the secret invasion storyline where the Skrulls invaded the Earth. Norman Osborn ended up sniper-shotting the Skrull Queen, technically saving the world, despite the fact that everybody else had been involved. And then he...
1: Well, he did it on TV. He did it yeah. on live TV. After... The president he actually... loved it. Yeah, he actually stole the uh, the the best... Run of Deadpool was Daniel Way's run, uh, which started right at the tail end of Secret Invasion when Deadpool was the one that figured out the secret of how to kill the Super Scroll and or the mother or, that. The, or, or the Mother Scroll, and he was uh, sending the deets over to Nick Fury, but it got intercepted from Norman Osborn. So Norman stole that. knew when the battle, you know, mm-hmm. was going to happen that he was going to have camera crews there. To make sure he had the kill shot for the mother scroll. I can't remember the one. That, she was the spider woman, right?
2: Yep. Yep. She was the, uh, false look. She was the Jessica yeah. drew looking false spider. Woman. Yeah. But so he, you know, carry on. He, he then ended up running hammer because he hated shield and
1: he hated, um, he, he was hated... already running hammer. He was already okay. running hammer. He was already running hammer. And he was also the head of the thunderbolts at the time. And he, and
2: he hated Nick or, uh, uh, Tony Stark in particular. And he wanted those jobs. Just like when you watch Iron Man 2, Justin Hammer wants to replace Tony Stark as the United States' premier weapons contractor. So right. Norman Osborne took over for this. And then, you know, the Dark Avengers, all of that awesome stuff. And then it turned into a thing where he actually had to do the job. He couldn't just get by on being in command. He had to do good things, which wasn't hard for him. But in the end, uh, the Green Goblin persona took more and more control over him because of the amount of pressure. So he lost it all. The Mighty Avengers, the New Avengers showed up, blah, blah, blah. He had to go to jail because... He was trying to take, uh, Asgard out of the skies of Oklahoma. Uh, nice so... <laughs> so, Harry now is a subject of paparazzi. Like, how... What's it gonna... We're gonna see him screw up, and it's gonna be news. And we're gonna see him mess something up. He owns a coffee shop in, like, Manhattan or Brooklyn or whatever. It's not a big deal. Spidey keeps trying to help him out or look after him. P- Harry just hates Spider-Man. Um... And this girl is looking for a story. Well, this character called the American Son comes out of nowhere. So what you might remember during the Siege, Cabal, Dark Avengers storyline is that Norman Osborn was the Iron Patriot.
1: The Iron Patriot. Now,
2: of course, you might think of the Iron Patriot as James Rhodes...
0: In War Iron Man 3. Yeah, Iron Man yeah. 3. No, they, I'm afraid that.
2: it doesn't work that way. Uh, as much as I do like that, it's not appropriate for comics canon. So, The American Sun was this concept that Harry would take over uh, at some point, And so there was an armor built for him and it is coded to his genetics. However... Everybody's going, okay, who's this new American son who's shown up and saved the day a couple of times in New York? Is it Harry? Well, Harry's at the coffee shop, and people are like, oh, no, he's doing something. No, okay. Let's go way back to one of the worst storylines in Marvel Comics history. This idea that (laughs) Norman Osborn slept with Gwen Stacy in her time in England in the early amazing spider-man 100s wow. and she had uh, twins a daughter named was it sarah and a son mm. named gabriel it's so not worth bringing up that it's hard for me to remember the names also i fucking hate it sorry about the language but it's <laughs> it's, 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 that's almost as bad as the other. It's almost as bad as one more day. It's almost as bad as anyone holding a gun to J. Michael Straczynski's head and making him write this shit. So um, what ends up happening in this is that the FBI is investigating all of these things and they are trying to tr- trying to figure out why harry osborn would be running around as the american son since this material is coded to him but it turns out that gabriel the twin of the twins is masquerading as the american son and having the same kind of psychotic multiple personality breaks as norman osborn does with the green goblin talking to his mask and stuff like that so gabriel doesn't realize That he's the American son when he is Gabriel and he doesn't realize he's Gabriel when he's the American son. And there's this gray area where they will intersect with one another and then craziness goes down. Gabriel shows up and shoots Harry. Harry goes to the hospital. (coughs) The reporter goes there explains what's going on as much as she understands it and then they both get caught up in this whole business and they're back at uh one of the last goblin hideouts. Cuz when you this is awesome. When you go back and look at early uh uh bronze age Spider-Man, you've got There's like, always
1: a goblin hideout. Dude, hide there's out, a so. goblin
2: hideout everywhere in New York. And That's how
1: the Hobgoblin That's how be. the
2: Hobgoblin. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how uh Jo- uh, Jason Philip McIndale became the hoblin- Hobgoblin. He found a Goblin... Somebody found a Hobgoblin... Or, I'm sorry. Somebody found a Goblin hideout filled with Goblin, you know, like pumpkin bombs and razor bats and sparkly gloves and whatever. Flyer. And he yep. just, like, repainted it all and was like, I'm gonna be a Goblin!
0: you're not
2: flyer, sir. Because back then, you could respect the fact that you would killed a great villain and you could relaunch that villain as somebody else with the same tech and it was legit... You didn't have to constantly kill somebody and bring them back every six months, uh, so that's my bitch. Uh, what, dude? I'm I'm just gonna get down to it. I mean, in the end, Pandemonium goes down. Harry is the protagonist of this story. If you like Harry Osborne, this is redeeming in every way. You've he's got a drug addiction like he always has. He. Like, he got kicked out of Aunt May's house at some point. And every time he's trying to do anything in this, he's trying to do it. And he's trying to do the right thing. And even though it didn't work, it eventually works. Like, if you ever wanted to see Harry come out on top and be okay, this is your story. This is a slim volume that you can get for probably next to nothing on a used rack, on a spinner rack. You could probably find the single issues in two or three different stores because they're not going to have all of them. I'm sure there was a low print run. But um, honestly, I read this and like in three, four pages, I was like, dude, I really like this. This writing is awesome. Oh my gosh, we're seeing, stories are- we're seeing Harry be solid. Like making this, oh no, he's got a drug addiction. Oh no, he's coming back from it. Like blah, blah, blah. Ever, and like Spidey, yeah, this is a Spidey story. It really only happens in the Spidey universe. This is all Harry doing the best that he can and actually coming out on top and he needed a win after all these years. And consequently, after Harry dying in Spectacular Spider-Man 200, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. We should double check that. But that was like decades ago. And then for them to retcon it, if you're going to bring him back and blah, blah, blah you know what, hey, thank you, we needed a hairy win. I needed a hairy win, and I know this is 10 years old, I flip and loved this.
1: All the hairy stories are good, man. Uh, the recent ones were... Uh, I'm gonna double involved, check, go ahead. ...that, that involved Menace, uh, his his uh, little Normie... Uh, oh, like, man, yes. Uh, look, Normie is actually a big character right now, because uh, the last great good... Spider-Man story was when Norman Osborn got a hold of the Carnage symbiote and became the the Spider-Goblin the the Carnage Goblin. There's like eight different names for it. Um, when Flash died, I mean, like, but it, wow, my, my mind is just a little scrambled at the moment thinking about all that. But it was, I'm uh, sorry, yeah, it was Spectacular
2: Spider-Man 20 or two, 200. I'm sorry, I didn't have that yeah. off. You know, yeah. But let's let's Dude. do the tick, man. Let's jump into the tick. Dude, dude you, you came up with, hey, let's talk about the tick for a second. Like, what the, how did you, how did you hit onto this? You've had it for a long time and you're just like, I'm going to reread this. Where did you, oh, we've got technical issues. F this. We're just going to go. All right.
1: We got the tick. Woo, the got tick. The, the tick. Okay, guys. How uh, did you
2: decide on this? I'm sorry. That's where we were going. We had a technical okay. problem. How did you decide
1: to do this? Because I was drunk the other night and I messaged you about the tick (laughs) and I sent you my omnibuses Uh uh, because there's some coveted uh, collections of the tick. Uh, There's a bunch of bullshit, like, collections, but the ones that are the best are the omnibuses. Omnibus. 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 Omnibuy. 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 Okay, so we're dealing with the tick. Okay, so in order to understand the tick you have to understand that it was written by a guy named Ben Edlin. If that name sounds familiar, it's because you were possibly paying attention when you were watching Angel.
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) Angel, uh, he he was the main guy behind the scenes that was the brains and balls behind what was going on with Angel. So if you know anything about the tick and you've seen Angel, it'll make sense why Angel was so wacky. And... So we're we're talking late '80s here. I want to say '89, '88, and he's doing comics for a local in, uh, in New England, uh, out of Boston, uh, uh, New England Comics. They, they they they've got a couple of offshoot comics like uh, they've got some anti-Nazi comics that like <laughs> they're hilarious. Some horror comic books, but he started doing the Tick, and it got immensely popular. Uh, when you get the original single issues of the original and and to be specific we're doing the original tick run issues 1 through 6 today we're going to do part 2 for the next issue they're golden age size black and white oh no kidding yeah that's a good point they're gorgeous now issue 1 I'm pulling it up right here dude weren't (laughs) the early ninja turtles
2: uh, were they magazine size or golden age size
1: I've never got my hands in the original one. I I, I pretty I'm pretty sure that they, they're golden age size. I mean, because I mean, I've got like a fugitoid issue. They're not magazine, but I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say golden age size. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we start out with the tick in the advanced clinic, and he's bored. Uh, issue <laughs> yeah, one isn't, right. isn't too stellar. I mean, like in terms of like what happens but uh, you
2: got to so, think about what what they got out of what the content they got out of one issue. Yep. Dude, for Let real. That's so, that's a lot.
1: We're, we're introducing the tick here. Okay, so he breaks out of the insane asylum. He's uh jumping from rooftop to rooftop and he accidentally falls into a building <laughs> where a man is being accosted by some ninjas. Uh wait a minute, you guys are all ninjas. Um <laughs> uh, you gotta understand that Ben Edlin wrote this uh, as an homage to the Turtles, to Daredevil, and but it's not the homage that the new, the newer Tick comics. It, the only, in my opinion, the only good Tick comic books have been the original Edlin run, maybe Karma Tornado, uh, and then of course Eli Stone's uh, Big Blue Destiny and Looney Bin run. Everything else has been silly for the sake of silly. Mm-hmm. This is comedic, accidentally like he yeah, he wrote much. it but it was funny but he wasn't trying to be funny um, that's just the oh, guy said, I
2: don't it's, know.
1: A of, it's a sense it's like okay so like uh, let me tell you well, why well, but hit would me. you would you consider weird owl to be uh someone that is trying to be overly silly
2: no the beauty of um well, that's the thing weird owl is silly and funny but occasional, but because of that, it, it's it's interesting that it is no stretch for him to be sensi- sensible, uh, sensitive, be, um, sentimental, to be oh, political.
1: That he Dude, that's he's, genius. Yeah, that's I mean, genius. that's it. Yeah, he that's perfect. It, some the other people comic books weren't like that. This one yeah. had feeling. It had a, all those other. Amazing qualities. Thank mm-hmm. you. I, I didn't realize that. L- like, I gotta say that the that, that silly, it's
2: not silly for the sake of silly, silly stuff is happening. Like, it's you've got a character. Okay, think about when this came out. 1989. What happened? Batman the movie. And yeah. you've got a character that everyone's looking at going we've been reading Batman our entire lives and Batman was silly in the 60s, but Batman is now serious and he's kicking ass. And like, but you put a comic actor in that role? Oh my God, he did a good job. It's like moment to moment, everyone was blown away. And then, oh man, no, the Batmobile is badass. And oh my gosh, no, like we can take Batman seriously? Well, the comics have been taking Batman seriously seriously. From the get go, and so when like you, you see this up. when you see the tick, and it's like, okay, we've got a character who's obviously kind of crazy. No, it's not that he's not. It's not that he's crazy, because I kept going back and looking at the the flaming carrot. Reading this, I kept well, thinking that, that,
1: that, that funny character. The tick originally appeared in the flaming carrot.
2: Okay, dude, stuff I didn't <laughs> know. The thing, <laughs> the mm-hmm. thing about it is, is looking at these characters. I feel like I did know that, but it was 20 years ago. Uh, The, is that the tick is experiencing some kind of psychotic break from reality, but he's functional. And when you look at the, at Batman, you've got a guy who's experiencing massive mental trauma. And I'm talking about the Michael Keaton iteration of it. And it is well explained in that movie. He never got past that heartbreak. And he made it his motivation we don't need the motivation for the tick he had other ideas they weren't working and now he's like i'm gonna be a superhero but like silly stuff is happening for sure because he's a fucking tick but then like what he falls off the building he grabs a flagpole and it's just like through the whole whole issue (laughs) that's silly but
1: it's I got it. I got it. Yeah, we're on the
2: same page about this.
1: I got it. It's the difference between watching uh, Airplane or the Naked Gun as opposed to watching, like, scary movie, where it's just, like, obnoxiously silly as opposed to, like, good comedic timing and perfectly good writing. Um, Yeah. Like, okay, so issue one, we get introduced to The Tick. Uh, He's jumping off buildings. He meets Clark Oppenheimer. He he's got his crime viewfinder for some reason, which is just a, a the old school. Uh, what is it, what was it a yeah. viewfinder? Viewfinder. The little things you and, put
2: discs in. You click the thing down. It rotates and it gives you a fairly three D yeah. perception of
1: yeah. of a world site mm-hmm. So we get we, we we the the tick is established. He's nine vulnerable. He doesn't put up a shit, but he's still kind of he's he's. He's mentally incapacitated. He's crazy, but he's not like, he's not like wearing a diaper in his head type thing. Like in the in the uh, the cafe scene where he's like, "Do you suck blood?" And he's like, "I got a straw right here, buddy. I <laughs> got a straw right here." Um, and then then you, you flip the page and it ends, and, and, and then you get to the page of how to draw the tick. You Draw a circle, an oval. You put a line through it, and now you just draw the tick around it, holding an oval. And next time. Learn to draw like Albrecht Dürer, <laughs> yeah. And then, and they've got it like the facsimile Albrecht Dürer like painting, uh, just the inking of the painting of, of the little baby holding the 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 oval with a line. So we're, we're having a good time. <laughs> that was <We're> ha- awesome. <laughs> how to draw? How to draw
2: the tick in the? Uh, wait a minute, sorry. Like, what was it? How to draw the tick in the New England comics way or something? It's, yeah, it, wasn't even that, but yeah.
1: Now, issue two, uh, you've got the omnibus, but um, the mm-hmm. original issue was a die-cut issue because it was a joke on the uh, all the variant things. It's all this crappy flame. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tiny little square. Right, and, right. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the Tick is just trying to find Clark, and... Clark is, of course, working for uh he's a reporter Perry beige <laughs> <laughs> Perry beige, yeah, the editor was perry beige i I was dying and then and then the Jimmy character uh, was was
2: this little asshole <laughs> I know I love that because he wasn't gonna get pushed around by anybody, didn't matter who they happened to be or how how intelligent or dumb
1: <laughs> and and the tick goes written through Clark Oppenheimer, who is the the caped wonder. And opens his desk and finds a crystal, uh, very similar to uh Superman one. And uh he throws it and all of a sudden his fortress of fortitude shows up and uh the head the giant head shows up. Oh my god, it's Marlon, <laughs> Marlon Brando. Brando. <laughs> it's Marlon Brando. And uh <coughs> what was it the uh the Cape Wonder's real name was K-Row. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> end exactly. Of, end of side one, turn over crystal to proceed <laughs> at the sound of tone. See and, uh, that's
2: silly. It's a parody. It's it's almost it's a farce, but it's not something that you can't take seriously too.
1: Right, it was a lot of fun. He gets uh, the tickets fired. He actually gets hired because he's wearing his hypnotic tie, that is his ingenious disguise. And he, I know. <laughs> he gets hired as the crossword puzzle editor, and he gets fired. And uh, it ends with him making uh, Clark's VW Beetle into an ashtray. Um. And, and that's just issue two. The the real meat and potatoes starts in issue three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Issue true. three, let me pull it up. Number three, we see an Elektra-esque character. And if, if you pay attention, she's wielding size that don't have an extra hilt. They're, they're, they're missing a hilt. <laughs> like, they're completely useless. <laughs> like, it, It's just a lot of fun. And he, like... The early issues was a lot of him using art school types type, um, type uh, drawings, like where you uh-huh. see a lot of stippling. Yeah. You see, you see a lot of stippling. You see a lot of uh, uh, extra shading, and we end up on some ninja.
2: And dude, the ninja are my favorite thing about the whole <laughs> deal. Oh my god, the ninja are
1: hilarious. They're working for a conglomerate ninja <laughs> like <laughs> the like, district like, manager the district manager is this big fat sack of shit and they're after Oedipus the electric character who mm-hmm. has stolen the sacred thorn that if it's destroyed will eliminate ninja off the planet in the idea like if, if this artifact is destroyed their their ninja powers are ruined and like if you fast forward a couple of issues, when the tick is going through the, the ninja handbook, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The ninja, like you guys can you guys can walk through walls, <laughs> like what the hell's going on? It, it's 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 a great. <laughs> the ninja hedge was actually one of the original uh, tick shirts. Oh really? No Yeah, kidding. it was it was the tick walking past the ninja pretending to be a hedge and like is anyone gonna believe we're a hedge and they're just each like holding a random stick with a little bit of little bit of leaves <laughs> in it. And uh the, the the head of the manor pokes his head out like when did I, I get remember, a hedge?
2: I don't remember us having a hedge. <laughs> yeah. Let me and tell uh, you something real quick here. I wanna I want to oh. d I wanna I wanna I wanna get tangential here. Uh oh my gosh. One of my best friends ever, Jay, he and his his wife, Renee, they got married. I went to their wedding. It was in Portland, Oregon. It was one of the best times of my life. And uh, one of my groomsmen's gifts was Real Ultimate Power, the official ninja book by Robert <laughs> Hamburger, uh, released in July 1st, 2004. I immediately started thinking about this book as soon as... <laughs> as soon as I started hearing the tick reading the the ninja handbook in this issue because it reads just like it. This is a... <laughs> I have a copy of this. I've got to find it. I know where it is uh, more or less and it cracks me the hell up because the book is written from the perspective of like this is what an 11 year old would think that ninjas are capable of. So... I don't know you guys, if you haven't ever heard of this thing, get on Amazon, have a look at it, do the look inside it's it's a riot it's 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 a riot and it's inexpensive in paperback. If you can find it at a real store instead of Amazon, go for it carry on sir
1: well i I'm just excited for it because it, it was just a lot of fun. I was really worried that you were going to find it a little too silly no nah. but no, this uh, was,
2: that was the beauty of this. As soon as I realized the contiguous element from one issue to the next, instead of them all being one-offs, because I really, never having read any of the Tick that I could recall, couldn't... I just thought, these are all going to be one-offs, and it's going to be like one weird... all like the I kept thinking, and this isn't a Martin Putty jab but i kept thinking the best this is going to be is like a seinfeld episode or something like that just a one off but no the contiguous ninja thing really got me and the more i read into it what like let let me let me go so far and i know you're you're spearheading this it. but let me run go so far it. as to say when oedipus gets stabbed in the arm that's not a fatal wound but she's yeah. bleeding and she has to go to the hospital and it's because she's mortal the the tick is nigh invulnerable and he has <laughs> nigh- super strength what does that
1: exactly mean <laughs> you know
2: i mean does if he gets shot is it going to hurt him if he gets burned is it going to hurt him you know he he falls gigantic distances and crashes down to his waist into buildings into streets and he's virtually unscathed and yet it, he goes and then he goes out and he exhibits super strength by tearing up the ninja theme park which cheapened and whored out This cultural (laughs) appropriation. And they literally, in 1989, are saying it as such, okay? That's not, like, me just utilizing
0: uh, contemporary
2: phrases. But, like, my favorite aspect of that is when the Tick, despite his own nigh invulnerability, is lamenting and taking seriously that this one poor girl... Could have been injured in such a fashion, she's in the hospital. And it yeah, really is, takes is a toll on him. And he's That's like, me. oh man, you know, I mean, therein, this wasn't just idiotic silliness, you know, this wasn't just outrageous, unstructured bullshit. This is like, oh my God, this can be serious. You can have intelligent characters, you can have daffy characters. And it depicted. The, the core values of the tick without the, ever having to say, you know, right and reason or sense and sensibility or uh, responsibility and power, you know, it just
1: really did it. It translated even in the art. So, if, if oh, for we're, on sure. issue, we're, we're, we're on issue four right now, so uh, the, the, the tick is, they're trying, him, him and Oedipus are trying to get out of the house. To fight the ninja hedge without pissing off Oedipus' stepmother, evil stepmother. He's in a tux, and she's like, "Listen, you're gonna meet my stepmother, and she's evil." And he's like, "I'm not worried about it." And he meets her, and just starts screaming. <laughs> <laughs> he just he starts screaming, and then he faints. And then the the hedge they have the battle of the hedge, and she gets stabbed, and that's when we see Paul the samurai uh, who is uh, following the evil ninja master in Japan, uh, Seign. Oh. Yeah, Sagan or however you want to say it. And, I'm gonna go uh, so
2: far as to say it's Sagan, like Carl Sagan. Sagan.
1: Yeah, because he looks just like it in some weird Japanese way. And uh, the tick is he he he's walking her down the street. The ambulance shows up. Hey, buddy, uh, what you doing? Uh, she needs help. Okay, you mind if we just go ahead and take over? And then he starts doing his uh his uh, building leaping to take his mind off of things and. If when I'm talking about the artwork, where it's it's very whimsical, but then we get yeah. to one of the original posters that you could buy from New England Comics was this page was the dude that is one of the sickest splash pages I've ever seen. Yes, the the it's even the, it,
2: like black and white. Oh my god, I can't believe the how evil buildings.
1: Yeah, like if if any of you have ever like been in a perspective class or when you first learning perspective in art school, it's a pain in the ass. And these are alive buildings with evil facades, yelling at him that he's a dreamer, an imposter, an idiot, and they're all laughing and, and screaming at him, and it's all perfectly in perspective, while his meager little body is jumping from uh, rooftop to rooftop, and he finds his stuff uh, on, on from the first issue. His uh, yeah, prime yeah, yeah. finder. His uh, like he just left it behind and
2: didn't even realize it
1: and and then you finally get to see the the joke his crime finder his viewfinder like he looks into it and it immediately says come to ninja world yeah <laughs> come to ninja world it's telling him where the evil is paul the samurai mm. lands uh with his uh katana baked into a loaf of bread he was trying to smuggle oh my
2: in. god that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me go so far. Later, when he's hungry and they're chomping... Like, he's like he's eating and then it'll say, chomp, chomp. And then he's eating and he... Or he's talking and then it says, chomp, chomp. Like, oh my god. I'm like, why aren't you eating the bread off of the friggin' sword, dude? <laughs> like, why are you eating the cheesy poofs or whatever the crap they are? Ugh. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that was great. That was well, awesome. I'm I forgetting- actually half thought when he was flying to the US that he'd... Not baked his sword into the bread, and he was terrified that they would X-ray the bread and think. But <laughs> which is dumb. But at the same time, I was like, <laughs> dude, I don't know what to expect out of this series.
1: Well, I, I forgot to mention issue three was the first appearance of Arthur. That's who, true. Uh, yeah, that background I caught that. Uh huh. Yep, Arthur is the one that uh, found the uh, the thorn, the artifact that everyone's all freaking out about in Oedipus's trunk. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it, in issue four, he shows up and he just throws at the tick, and uh, wow, the ninja world is destroyed because he, the tick saw that ninja world was evil, and the the ninja were gone because they got to go pick up Seijin from the airport, and they come back to <laughs> Ninja World, and he's just completely obliterated it. He's completely raised it from the ground, and yes. they, the ninja the ninja are completely humiliated, and that rather than just getting their asses kicked completely their their moral fortitude was destroyed and it all happened from a woman that had only taken 3 weeks of ninja training yeah exactly <laughs> 3 weeks of ninja oh, training oh wait wait act- go back a little bit farther
2: the tick does is just like fascinated by ninja stuff in the book And then she's like, Tick, don't you want to know this? Don't you want to know that? And he's like, what? And she's like, I got to tell you. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. Instead of...
1: I can't say, but I'll tell you. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I just really
2: like how they delivered
1: that. That was
2: fantastic.
1: Here's my origin story that I reluctantly am going to tell you in explicit
2: detail. (laughs) Precisely.
1: (laughs) So, uh, moving on to issue five. Uh, Wow. Just one of the great, greatest covers... Uh, we've got Arthur, who is Arthur has slimmed down throughout the years uh, as the moth, uh, but we still have him in his in his uh, uh, obese state. Here we've got the tick and Paul the Samurai. They're all eating some cheesy noodles, and wow, just early morning, early morning of a million zillion ninjas, and that they come and find the ninja group has been destroyed. <laughs>
2: Oh my god, I read that like four times and I was like, I know there's a joke here. I know there's a joke here. It's because, it's because it's not night, it's early morning of the, oh my god, night of the ninjas. Early morning of the ninjas. Okay, I don't know why it took me this long to catch that for real.
1: And the real uh, villain of this story was the stepmother. It's <laughs> and he, true. Oedipus' Oedipus's dad stands up for himself. She just slices his face with her razor sharp nails. I'm leaving you, Reginald. <laughs> like, it it just got funny and funnier, and, and the tick and Paul the Samurai they become good buddies, and and finally uh, we see that Oedipus has been absconded upon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's not absconded one. She's with. Been absconded with. She's been advanced upon until like like they're quick to talk about, but like there's there's so much else going on here, and we get to the rooftops, which is obviously. A Teenage Mutant turtles reference here. Fighting the evil ninja bad guy in the uh, rooftops here, and the Tick is just playing with the thorn, and Sajin like, tries to jump at it and falls to his death. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, totally. We get acquainted with Arthur, and he's just like, things happen to you, man. Like, I'm an accountant. Like, I found this moth suit, and I I just... I want adventure. I want something. I want my life to mean something, and that's one of the best parts about the tick is Arthur is uh, is us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Arthur is us. Like we're the ones that are following the tick, and we're following it through his eyes. And he appoints him as his sidekick, and uh, so you, and so you, Arthur, will become my sidekick, my best friend, my confidant, my pudgy comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> And together we will battle the scourges of villains and that prey upon mankind and smile. Because he, he's posing, like, it—it it, fourth wall breaking. And then, like, in the background, you see the same homeless guy from the first issue who still got his arm broken after the tick broke it. <laughs> and we move on. And, like, the the back covers were gorgeously illustrated. And you finished on issue six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's as that's far as I get. With the running guy, with uh, the yes, running guy
2: versus the 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 red menace or the, 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 the red scare, who, <laughs> the red scare.
1: He was a villain that he's not really a villain. He is a contracted supervillain for lesser superheroes to hire to fight in public, and for him to throw the fight.
0: <laughs> he's a guy, jobber. He's a jobber. Yeah,
1: but he he looks just like the tick. There's a rumor that like he was supposed to be the tick's brother, um, the running guy. He's his he's got a like a, a Headwinds-esque, uh bicycle helmet on, and his his the front of his chest is a palm tree being bent over. Like what the hell is that supposed to mean? That's obviously me running really fast and breaking the wind to bend the the bend the the tree. And dude, he's I actually spin- like that. I thought that was a very legit uh yeah, costume
2: choice that went a long way
1: the red scare looked great he was huge he looked evil communist he's got a sickle and a and, and the hammer like chained to each hand and uh the the running guy has hired him to uh, stage a fight <laughs> at the uh at the <laughs> oh my god I'm uh the memorial for <laughs> uh the Dewey decimal system oh. <laughs> jeez the hated originator of the Dewey Decimal System as he's destroying it and the Tick and Arthur are just buying some groceries and walking home. They see him doing his stuff and a battle ensues and we get one of the another uh, original Tick shirt which was the thank you god for an actual super villain (laughs) to to fight and uh, hey I'm supposed to be fighting the running guy and they're they're having a little bit of fisticuffs, and we see that awesome, like, huh! <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Where
1: he's like, a mighty hit, <laughs> he throws the fight. And the running guy shows up too late, all pissed off, because uh, <laughs> the running guy was late. That's what killed him. <laughs> the running guy was late for his fight. And uh...
2: How could a guy that runs as fast as that guy show up late <laughs> to a fight, where he's supposed to defeat the dude by way of his speed?
1: the guy that can run as fast as 10 mortal men <laughs> like, just so many fun great gags and yeah. uh, the the red scare the entire time of the fight is just spewing out random russian propaganda oh they're like, really catfrages. bad
2: too they're really <laughs> bad and that's the funny thing
1: <laughs> lenin 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 had is the right keen idea. lenin is keen stalin had the right idea mm <laughs> mhm <laughs> And uh, it ends up with uh, the Tick (laughs) getting in an argument with that damn running guy. Just all pissed off, and the news crew gets mad, and they all take off. And it's just great black-and-white indie comic glory. Tell me. I was going to go into a whole
2: thing about Russian-related stuff, as I have two years of Russian language, and I'm not sure that it's worth necessarily going into it made me think, because when I read this, somebody was posting about the rentals and uh, the song Friends of P. And I think I've talked about this in the past, because every time anyone ever talks about that, I end up listening to that song like 11 times. And uh, if you ever saw the music video for it, it's all in black and white, and everybody's so blah-looking. Everybody's got... The, the the two ladies in the in the band have really unfortunate, like, drippy hair. Everybody's got gigantic, chunky eyeglasses. It looks like, you know, 1987 in in a Soviet bloc country. And the whole... Every lyric in the song is presented in Cyrillic, the Russian language. Um, they speak Russian, but it's written in Cyrillic in subtitles on the screen. And if you know what I'm talking about... There you go. Go go look at it on YouTube. It's freaking fun. And the only subtitle in the entire song that doesn't perfectly translate to Russian is the line and I'm not quite a stallion. Okay? I don't know, dude. Every time every while I was reading this guy, that that popped up and then I thought it was serendipitous that the uh that uh, a couple of buddies of mine were talking about it on Facebook and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's funny." So
1: there my favorite are,
0: thing about I'm Russia was Tatu. Remember Tatu? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Um, the when the I worked, gimmicky lesbian Russian pop singers.
2: When <laughs> I worked I'm... at uh, in tech support, I had... This was so weird. We had my supervisor in my pod of people doing tech support. And then there was another supervisor working in their pod. And... Um, this this gal was married to the other supervisor. She split up with him and started dating a girl in his pod. So I had these two girls in two in it like one of them next to me and the other one over in her area and she listened to tattoo on freaking repeat like
1: <laughs> they weren't even real lesbians. Exactly, was a
2: that was the thing. No, I hate. Nope, <laughs> d- hey, cool, whatever. Do what you're doing. I'm sorry that you're. I feel sorry for that guy to have to work with his <laughs> ex-wife's girlfriend. At, what? What a complicated, like horrible sitcom situation. And not. I'm not even talking about like the the. Uh, The gender elements of this just that would be horrible for anybody under any circumstances to be supervising your ex's new significant other, no matter what they happen, what their gender happens to be. It just, oh, man, what a hard thing for that guy. And unfortunately, nobody respected him because
1: of course not.
2: Oh, (laughs) he was a simp. He got fucking baited, man. Dude, it's so <laughs> hard to. I can't even imagine. I hope. I, I don't know how that guy's doing now. I hope that his life is completely turned around and he's happy and, and everything. I hope the ladies are happy. I hope they're together and everything's great. Uh, but uh, hopefully, they found not fake lesbians to champion their, their musical uh, choices. Because it was just, that or it was Creed. It was her listening to Tattoo or Creed all the time.
1: <clears throat> oh, gross. Yeah. I just realized I must have a really fat neck because we have the same... We, we are wearing our Star Trek best friend <laughs> <laughs> necklaces. I don't
2: think you have and... a fat neck. I think that you have a different build than me. And even though I've been working out like crazy, and I am honestly filling out this T-shirt in a way I've never done before... um yeah, I do have a little bit more going on in my chain than you do. But tell them about our necklaces, because this is what it's kind the, uh... of this is what kind of silly nancys we are.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> nancys, the silly nancys, <laughs> the uh, Star Trek, uh, well, like friend Star Trek Two, What is it? The best friends
2: break away, break apart hearts. It's so... the it's it's the uh, <laughs>
1: Star Trek. It's the, the uh Federation communicator lo- logo looking thing. It's flat brass and uh, it says I have and always shall be your friend.
2: Yeah, there you go. For, I have been and always shall be your friend. From Star Trek 2, it breaks mm-hmm. apart and then
1: it reconnects on magnets. Yeah, uh, so when we when we get together we can take a picture of us connecting to it.
2: <laughs> boy. <clears throat> we'll have to be uh Super macho looking that day. <clears throat> it better be like Dwayne the Rock Johnson getting together with John Cena, like clinking their necklaces together. That'd be, and even then, that would be a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, volleyball scene. So
1: <laughs> from Top Gun.
2: Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, I want to tell you something. I I've, I I thought about the top. Okay, my entire mu- Oh my god. Weeks ago, before protesting became an agenda item for me. Like, I was just listening to weird, fun music all the time, and it just seems like, okay, let's... Like, every two weeks, what I'm listening to kind of morphs into something else, and then I go back and I'm listening to the same stuff, and I've added more to it. Because I just listen to the same music over and over every day. I don't have anybody who's going to get annoyed by that in my domicile, so there you have it. But, like, the Kenny Loggins playing with the boys from Top Gun... The original video for that came up in my in my music stream and it is so ridiculous because it's these really skimpy thin little 80s girls playing volleyball on a in- indoor basketball court versus a bunch of like over the top macho men so it's the boys versus the girls to that song and I keep looking at like the protagonist girl like the in 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 on the girl's side and I'm like we would like no one would ever go for that look now. Never. That look died with my mom in like 1990. Like the
1: short shorts
2: s- the short shorts, the super short hair, the tight the shirt is, that doesn't the, matter because there's the nothing Hulk to fill tops it out
1: for men. The oh Hulk dude, tops yeah, like men, yeah. like uh <laughs> Bill
2: and Ted with the the cropped the crop, like, <laughs> hey, let's cut out the neck, let's cut off the sleeves of this sweatshirt, and then let's go up to three inches f- down from the nipple, and like, <laughs> what? Ri- what a
1: ridiculous thing to wear! One of my favorite uh, jokes was mm-hmm. from uh, you probably never seen it was the show Thirty Rock when Liz I've Lemon seen goes back it, yeah, to, when Liz goes back to her high school reunion, and uh, this guy's like. Do you still think I'm gayer than the volleyball scene and Top Gun? I'm just so mad I have to dance. <laughs> he <starts laughs> this, and he's like married to this like, like the, he's like this big dude, and he's married to this tiny, frumpy little Asian woman that's putting up with a lot of shit. <laughs> and he just starts ballerating. It was it was it was a great joke in uh, the the, uh, the 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 jokes in Thirty Rock band just to close us out. Uh, her her dad was uh, played by uh, God. What was his name? He was a very famous comedian back in the day, and uh, his name was Dick Lemon in the show. And they're paying for he's trying to pay for dinner, and he's like, uh, "I'm paying for it because you know, you know it's not a lemon party without old Dick." <laughs> <laughs> And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Lemon Party and then probably never listen to us again because you're gonna get this.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh
2: my gosh.
0: Yeah. That's well, anyway. like
2: uh that's like saving that's that's something that, how what season did they pull that prank in?
1: Oh, that was season one. Oh. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that joke was written by uh, uh, Donald Glover because he was one of the original writers on that show. And that guy's guy's a genius, man. Like, uh, everything he's done, uh, damn. After this, I'm going to make you watch something, but uh, that's all I got. So we'll end to Minefield's number 56 on a lemon party. Woo! (laughs) Or or a blue waffle. Woo! Woo! Um,
2: Man. What do you got left, Oh dude, uh what what else do I Oh, I wanted to say this. Okay, I want to talk very briefly on this uh Star Trek Valentine's Day issue. This is an original series book. I dude, the other day I was on a phone call and I was honestly like I try to I, I do a really good job holding things together, but it was one of those like Oh, I got to be careful to just listen and not say something. And so I was trying to find something to do simultaneously while I was listening. I ended up like bagging and boarding books, like f- not ferociously, just like, okay, I'm bagging and boarding and I'm listening and I'm I'm not going to say anything dumb. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to tell you guys what the context was, but it was kind of a f- critical moment. And um, you might say, why weren't you just paying attention? And it was because I was trying to control how I felt about things. So, um, I found a freaking Star Trek book I bought months ago that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't read this. And so I pulled it out and I read it and it was, like I say, it was the Valentine's Day issue of the concurrent Star Trek, the original series, uh, storyline that's going on. And it was awesome. Um, Captain Kirk. Ends up meeting Captain of the USS Drake, and she is this Portuguese woman. And she, uh, I'm almost gonna have to go over there and find the issue because now I can't remember her name. She, uh, they end up hooking up. She's just, oh my gosh, you've never seen this kind of like mm, written on the two dimensional page. She just comes at him and she's like, I'm a captain. You're a captain. You are clearly as awesome as as I've heard. And this is cool. And then pow! Like, they hook up. And it's just funny because she's awake reading her book. Oh, yeah, they're on vacation. She's awake reading her book and he's snoring. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And then, like, then it's like six months later. They encounter each other again. She's in battle. The Enterprise comes in and saves, helps save the day. She actually, I think, manages to save the day without him. Um... And uh, she gets pissed at him. And then she's yelling at him and whatever. And then it's just like, boom. The next scene, they have hooked up. He's awake, admiring her, and she's asleep. And it's like, oh, that's freaking great. Like, you think Captain Kirk doesn't need any more women in his life. But for real, they went so far in this. This is not a character from the series. They created somebody that I would desperately have wanted to see in his lineage of girlfriends and so then it it goes another a little bit more and it's this concern like she asks him to marry her and he doesn't know what to say because he knows he's about to be promoted to admiral at the end of their five-year mission and he's like that's not going to work out too well like i can't be married to a captain it only works for us while we're the same rank that's the organization we're in and so she's kind of pissed about that and uh, it's also that she's kind of pissed because he didn't answer her back the right way like a man would and should. And she basically calls off the entire concept and he's sad about it. But then it's a little bit later and this black hole or something horrible is opening up in their space that's going to eat Earth. And she's the one that he has to order out there to save The capital of the Federation. And she goes out there and does her duty. And 15 years later, she reappears. And all these interesting things are different, you know. She's like, yeah, we basically rematerialized on the other side of the galaxy and we've been traveling back ever since. Uh, or the other side of the Federation. And she's got, like, crystals embedded in her. And her starship has crystals embedded in it everywhere. And you can just tell that this amazing adventure has happened for them. And she's like, I want to reintroduce myself to the situation. But it's post-Star Trek Four, So he's been demoted back to captain. And they instantly made her an admiral. And... Uh, so now it's all different. Like, the tables keep flipping and turning for them. And he's like, you're not an admiral yet. You're still a captain. So you know it's okay for them to hook up again and whatever. And just it was just such a good story. I really got to say, if you can find that one-off out there, it's not like an annual. It's a one-shot because it's a Valentine's Day special. I loved it. But one of the beauty moments in this is when she is trying to get him to come to the idea of, yeah, you know, I'm totally hitting on you. We should get together. Um, she says, I've looked in on you. You're, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of women. Everybody knows this. This is like fleet wide. Everybody knows you're hooking up, but, uh, you don't seem to have anybody serious, not a woman, not a man. And he said something like, uh, no, you know, so what I've been seeing online lately is this next original series like not discovery but the next enterprise TV series featuring Anson Mount and Rebe- Rebecca Romaine from discovery as the enterprise crew they're talking about captain kirk being heteroflexible or having had you know gay incidents or whatever and i'm like go for it do it there's no society that we've ever seen portrayed in television or film where, dude, if it was Captain Picard, if it was Riker, if it was Data, if it was Spock, I'm not gonna care.
1: Go for it, because it, the, the, it's it's open like that. And if they did it, it wouldn't be a cash grab. Like we have, we it wouldn't satisfy, be a cash grab. We we have to satisfy our gay.
2: I, they're not, okay, uh, I know, like I know gay, that this...
1: Like, viewers, and, and then, like, it's gotta be a black guy or a black woman. I'm not like, it gonna... Wouldn't fe- we it wouldn't feel like that. It would ma- feel like, hey, they're kicking ass. This is a good story. How many times
2: have you and I sat in minefields and talked about, I don't know why they've just decided to make Iceman gay, or whatever. Like, there's no history of that. Well, yeah, it's it the X-Men. The, you know, the X-Men, it's man. It's, it's the X-Men. That they would... The X-Men well, is a civil rights story.
1: It, it originated in civil rights story. And I'm not saying it's insulting that they would make them gay. It's insulting that they would just all of a sudden make them gay to Precisely. get that cash grab. I to think get that that's, that's my bitch. Like
2: Ultimate Colossus. It's the same thing to me. You're going you're gonna to retell some of the greatest storylines and then you're going to blow off some of the be- like the best romance of the X-Men by not pairing up. You know, like uh, Ultimate Colossus and Ultimate Kitty Pride? you think that there's not a retelling of that beautiful relationship that we want? Who doesn't want to see them get together again from a new perspective? And instead, it's like Peter Parker and Kitty Pride. I'm not down for that. I'm not into it. I am, uh, but like, when it comes, dude, if you want to say that Captain Kirk has had not straight. Yeah. I, I'm trying to find the best, most like, yeah. If you're in a, a dude, Captain
1: Kirk with other dudes, go they, they for it. Go for it. They never would have classified it as a homosexual tryst. It, it just would have been a tryst because it, it would just have been are yeah, right. Thank it you. It just would have been part of the story. I am like when, totally enthused
2: like, to read that story.
1: Like when when Takei talks about like, well, were you gay? Uh, in the sixties maybe like and he's like, Yeah, of course Sulu was gay. Well why it wasn't it a big deal? Because they didn't care. You know what? I'm gonna go so far. Care. I'm it gonna go so deal. far as to
2: say Sulu was not gay.
1: Well they did do a couple of things where it was a little romantical, but even then, uh, the the man himself was gay, but he, yeah. he can he yeah. he's got the clout to say, Yeah, I was gay as as Sulu and it, Well because it it wouldn't have mattered <laughs> It me- wouldn't have mattered. Because uh, that's not well that's it, not what though. Starfleet was about. That's not what that century was about. What, was the was third century? Who's screwing who and and what color they are. It didn't matter. And that's there, what we need you're to You're right to.
2: about that. You're right about so, where what, what color you are.
1: It, I'm it, gonna say to get.
2: I'm gonna say the reason why I ascribe to Sulu was not gay is I'm I'm sorry guys, it's beta canon i adore adore peter david's book the captain's daughter and in that it details how sulu has his daughter and it just doesn't like i know that's not the on-screen representation but uh okay but like anyway yeah i mean so folks if you guys got concepts on this please let us know. I want to talk about this. If you can't get us, if if our, your emails don't get to us, hit us up on Facebook and hey, say, hey, guys, check out your email on this. Like, whatever you got to do. Facebook, but, Twitter, yeah.
1: Instagram are all on there, man. If but, you uh... can
2: find it, go out and check that stuff out. If they decide to make Kirk, th- Kirk have had gay interludes, I am down with that. Just like I loved um, uh, the whole Bond thing. What was it? Spectre? It wasn't Spectre. Uh I can't think of the uh, the Bond episode, but yeah, the the uh, oh man. With uh Javier Bardem. I love that. Yeah. All right, yeah, Joshua. Joshua has to go right away. So, um he's got he's got fish to fry. Yep. <laughs> all right, thank you all for everything. I really appreciate this. I had a really great time recording today. Uh this transmission yeah. is uh it's over.
0: And this is dangerous. There you go. <laughs> Good night.